0: You're listening to The Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. For those out there that might be listening, there's, man, I didn't have a guy who protected me. I had a dad who created vulnerability in unsafe situations in my life and said things to me that were everything but building me up. First and foremost, that dad was not a reflection of God. And uh, God loves you, and his heart was breaking as he was watching that unfold in your life. That wasn't his plan for your life. Don't let anybody tell you, well, if God knows everything that's going on, then he must have wanted this for me. No, that's not the case at all. But God loves you so much. He wants to redeem your hurts and your situation. He wants to bring healing, and he wants to bring people in your life that do reflect God and who he is. So seek those people out.
1: Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are continuing our Christmas series called God With Us counting down today's till Christmas. I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Abaro with us. Jose, thanks for being here. Good to be here. Good morning. Good to have you. And we're joined by the doctor, the one and only Sean Stovers in the house after a great message yesterday on Sunday. Sean, thanks for being here. Thanks, Taylor. Awesome to be here. Well, one of the things I usually ask Jose when we kick off a podcast episode is just kind of the behind the scenes as you prepared for the message. You had a big week leading up to this message, but I'd love to hear just even from a preparation side. Uh, what went into kind of picking the passage or the, you know, the kind of character that you did as we look at uh, the the seemingly insignificant, a part of a significant story, what kind of led you to picking Joseph and then just kind of what did God show you in the preparation process up to the message itself?
0: Yeah, well, I've got to give old lead pastor Jose here a lot of credit. He uh, does an amazing job at looking at a series and and trying to decide who's going to be a good fit for what topic. I think he did that with Mary amazingly well by allowing Mary to do the, the um, character of, of Mary in the Bible because she knocked it out of the park a few weeks yeah, ago with did. that. You should go back and listen to that podcast if you missed it instead of this one probably, although this one's <laughs> going to be great by the time it's done. But the same for me. I think Jose knows that being a dad is one of the most important things to me in my life. And um, you know, Joseph was that's what he was known for. That's all he was known for, really, was, was his role as Jesus' dad. So to me, that always hits me in a really deep spot when I think about the fathers in the Bible and how they pulled off what they were called to do and how they were, they were meant to lead. So it was a good chance for me to dig into something I haven't really studied in terms of being a dad. I've kind of read past that to be honest, a lot of times thinking about Jesus and Jesus coming and instead of what was it like to be in Joseph's shoes in that moment. So it gave me a chance to do that this week, which was a cool blessing in the midst of all that was all that was happening in our family, in our life. Yes,
1: yes, eventful week for sure. Jose, what were your thoughts just right off the top as far as hearing the message, thinking about the story of Joseph? We'll dive into kind of some of the significant parts of his story, particularly his obedience to the Father, but what were kind of your initial takes kind of
2: from the message itself? Yeah, I thought the message was spot on, very encouraging, convicting. And uh, I love the fact that you mentioned, I didn't realize that he, he, hasn't, he doesn't have a single speaking part in the Bible. So Zachariah, you know, his... Uh, uh, Jesus's uncle, Elizabeth's husband, has all of these, he's used by God to prophesy, and yet we can skip Joseph so easily. And so the fact that we stopped there, what you pulled out from the text was really inspiring, both as a dad, but also as a follower of Jesus and the importance of, of, of obedience.
0: Well, Zachariah talked, and so he said the
2: wrong thing. God shut him up. So maybe Joseph
0: learned from that and was like, I'm just not going to
1: say anything at all. keep my ability to speak when I need to. He made his plans, but he didn't really say much, (laughs) right? right? That's so true. So we talk about this concept of obedience. Uh, Sean, you titled your message, Obedience in Tough Times. And I love just to maybe unpack that a little bit more as far as what's significant about adding on there that end of in tough times. Because I think, I mean, in my life, it's hard to be obedient, just regardless of the season or the time I'm in. But What about tough times, and how does that tie in just to the story of Joseph and where he was at?
0: Yeah, specifically with the story, uh, you know, I wanted to emphasize that this was a challenge for Joseph. This was a significant moment. It wasn't like an easy, okay, Lord wants me to do something, I'll do it. There was a cost to him that it's really not possible for us to fathom. Being in a small community like he was and, and something very shameful happening in his family that he had no control over. He was completely helpless. And the law told him to go one direction, which would have, you know, shamed possibly, and disgraced, yeah, maybe even killed. killed, you know, Mary. And, um, you know, so it, it was a tough moment. I think you're right. You could easily lop that off because being obedient at any moment is difficult. But man, when there's that much at stake, it just ramps up. Uh, the need to be obedient, but also the cost of obedience, and and Joseph was having going to have to pay a cost
2: there. Yeah. And I think that's super significant the whole storyline of Scripture because often we think of the Bible as everything. You know, when you when you, you talked about blessing and cursing, when when you are obedient, then all is going to go well with your life. When you start following Jesus, it's going to be easy peasy. You're not going to, you know, go through hard times. And yet, that is so far from the truth. And we see that. Before Jesus is born, he is born into a difficult situation where his mom and dad, earthly mom and dad could have gone one way, but instead because of the Lord's, you know, the encounter that they had with, with God, they, they, they chose obedience. And so it, it helps me when I'm going through tough times, think about, man, the Bible has a lot to say about how to handle this season.
1: On uh, in, in your message, Sean, you mentioned at one point asking us what comes to mind when you hear the word obedience. And I think for some of us, or maybe listening, it, there's more of a negative connotation. Maybe they associate it with discipline or, or something like that. So how do you encourage someone that maybe sees obedience and you're like, oh, that sounds like a, a churchy thing, or they think of God's wrath, they think of just all the rules that they have to follow. What would encouragement for, that both of y'all would have just for someone that's maybe just even starting off on the wrong foot when it comes to obedience, what, what kind of encouragement or truth? do you want them to to hold on to well I think that in
0: the end of the day for me personally obedience gives me these um, banks right that that I can operate inside of and and I love the God that we follow because he gives us freedom and he gives us choice um, and there's inside those banks there are a lot of opportunities and and chances for me to make my own decisions but the obedience, Uh, allows me to feel the safety of those of those banks. And when I disobey, I get outside of that and I lose his blessing. I potentially run into his curse or the curse of the world for sure. And there's so much danger. And so obedience, man, we're about to hit the start of the year, you know, and we're all going to make these resolutions and we're going to get healthier and we're going to exercise more and we're going to eat better and we're going to drink less or we're going to do whatever, you know, and it's why do we do that? Because we know there are payoffs for that. If, we, if we're if we willing to make those sacrifices, there's going to be benefits to our health and benefits to our well-being and benefits to our relationship. We know that if we're willing to be obedient, there's a payoff. And it's the same way with the Lord. If we're willing to follow His commands and His loving guidance, there's tremendous payoff for that. And we've got to be willing to look forward to the blessing that's coming or the the win that's at the end of the at the end of the game.
2: Yeah, I love that. I uh, read this morning's devotional from Matthew 2, another story, another character that we talked about last year, we haven't talked about this year, but those those are the magi. And it says that when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So they were obedient and looking for this king that in their tradition, we don't know where they're from exactly, but we know they came from the east mm-hmm. and they had a lot of, uh, passion for the divine, for God. And so they're obediently Seeking out the star that will guide them to the truth, and it says that they were filled with joy. And I've seen that in my life when when I'm obedient, there true there is true joy. The the joy that disobedience or the way of the world gives us, it just doesn't last. Mm-hmm. It's very shallow. It's it's very temporary. But the joy of the Lord not only is our strength, it's also eternal, and it helps us overcome uh, difficult times in doubts at times mm-hmm. when we're thinking, "Well, I don't want to obey because you know I don't want to." Uh, I don't know. I, I love what you said, Sean. That there are these banks, and what does Jesus say? That the road really is narrow. I mean, it, it's not wide. It's it's the narrow is the path that leads us to eternal life, and that's God's grace to us. He showed us the way. He didn't open it up to a lot of interpretation to say, "Okay, Taylor, do what's best for you," and and Sean, do what's best for you, uh, because he knows that if you both do what's best for each other, it won't help the other, not only mm-hmm. here between you, but also in your other relationships. So he showed us what's best for all of us, for all of humanity. Yeah. And when we do that, we see, we see a lot of good stuff come out of it.
1: That's that's so good. Uh, I don't want to miss just even a context to the question about how our earthly father and our relationship with our earthly father tends to influence our view, at least even initially, with our heavenly father. So I'd love for you to speak to that just real quick, both of y'all. Just how do you kind of assess that and just kind of monitor that, especially when it comes to just this concept of obedience and a loving father? We saw Joseph's example here, but what impact does your earthly father play into this, and how do you kind of navigate that for those who may not have had a great example of what uh, what what it looks like to be a biblical father.
0: Yeah, for good or for bad, there's probably no more significant influence on our formation of our mental outlook on life, our our spiritual outlook on life, our emotional outlook on life than than our earthly father. He just has a lot of obviously reflection, hopefully in the best case of, of God through him to his children. And uh, when that's not there, when that's absent, which frequently it is, unfortunately it's tragic and it's devastating. And there are books written about the father wound and things that have become cliche, but it's, it's real. The absence of the love of an earthly father and the, uh, you know, I, I harp on this, but an earthly father that balances grace and truth in the way that he raises his kids, the absence of that does tremendous damage. And uh, thankfully, Man, the heavenly Father has plenty um, of of ways to get around that, and get healing, and get health to people. But it's a it's a longer it's a longer road. There's no way around it. it man, in the best case scenario, a dad in, here on Earth shows up the way he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so cool about Joseph is he, he did that, man. He showed up. He protected his son. He provided for his son. He, he taught his son. he Not only uh, things about God and taking him to the synagogue and, and taking him to the temple, he, he, he taught him things about carpentry. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that, that we have that example. And it, it inspires me to want to be that kind of dad. And it breaks my heart. For the people that don't have that kind of dad. And so for the people that don't. Um, For those out there that might be listening, there's, man, I I didn't have a guy who protected me. I I had had a dad who who created vulnerability in in unsafe situations in my life and said things to me that were everything but building me up and didn't take me to church and didn't show me who God was. For somebody that's listening, that's in that place, I I would say, first and foremost, that dad was not a reflection of God. That is not who God is. And uh, God loves you. And his heart was breaking as he was watching that unfold in your life. That wasn't his plan for your life. That was not God's plan for your life. Don't let anybody tell you that, well, God must just not care about me as much as he does somebody else. Or if God knows everything that's going on, then he must have wanted this for me. No, that's not the case at all. But God loves you so much. He wants to redeem this moment. He wants to redeem your hurts and your situation. He wants to bring healing and he wants to bring people in your life that do reflect God and who he is. So seek those people out, whether that's through counseling or mentors or community group or friends that are healthy. Um, Don't do life by yourself.
2: So good, Sean. I, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about the other Joseph that you mentioned briefly and his family did a lot of harm to him. So his dad was absent, right? He sent his brothers out and he told this young, his one of his youngest son, hey, you're, you're gonna be in charge um, by your older brothers. And there's a lot of abuse and hard times. And then God does redeem the story. And at the end in Genesis 50, Joseph, when he could have sought revenge on his brothers, said, hey, what what you intended for evil, God turned into good. And that's the power of God in our lives. When when there are wounds, when, when we, um, receive what God doesn't want for us from a parent, from a relative, from a loved one, um, God can turn that into good. And Sean, you've taught me to not hurry to get there, to, to really sit on um, the healing process and not be quick to answer the right answer, the biblical answer, mm-hmm. um, but, but be honest with yourself and where are you and, and sit in that grief and, and allow God to heal that. Uh, so I'm, I'm so grateful for you and the example that, that, that you've had in my life. Um, and again, that's what God wants to do. He wants to heal us. I also think it's really cool that here in this verse, when the angel calls out Joseph, he calls him the son of David. So he's calling out the good in his family tree. He's saying, Hey, up, 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 up there. <laughs> <laughs> up a couple dozen generations. Yeah. There was this guy named David, and he was a man after my own heart. And so that gives me hope for future generations mm-hmm. that we can be the the generational game changers in our families, that we are now pursuing Jesus and we're able to pass on blessing mm-hmm. instead of hurt. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Taylor, as you
0: I know you're probably ready to move on, but I want to just I want to end with this picture that I had from Men's Encounter a few weeks ago of of guys coming together who hadn't necessarily all had that great dad experience here on earth, and yet they found something in community with each other, in each other's stories, in having a a, a mentor um, praying for them, and they found healing. They found um, restoration. And so I know it's possible. Just got to see it a couple of weeks ago. That's what encounter is for. And there are so many other ways. Got to keep moving, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Keep getting healthier.
1: That's so good. Let's jump into, Sean, you kind of had three steps or three takeaways when you asked the question, what's it going to take to be obedient in tough times? Uh, Not a matter of if, but when in tough times that we face and just looking at the life of Joseph and what he modeled. You had three, know what's right, filter what's right, and do what's right. i us spend a little bit of time just getting practical. Uh, you already helped us set a little bit of that foundation unpacking each of these. But this first one here is know what's right, be prepared and seek guidance. This was just to the point that uh, Scripture talks about Joseph being faithful to the law. He was a righteous man. So this didn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, what does it look like to know what's right? You throw out ideas, whether it's uh, turning to wise counsel, first starting with prayer, uh, we'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on kind of just practically if someone's like, yeah, okay, how do I just know what's right? How do I start at the very basics? What does that practically look like for people?
0: Man, it, it practically at the very beginning looks like really finding other people that you look up to that can kind of provide that wisdom for you. And at the other end of the spectrum, it looks like our director spiritual formation around here, Bob Moss, who's got so much of the word hidden in his heart. That's right that his heart already knows what's right in any given moment. I, he doesn't even have to filter it. He's, He has this thing in his heart that tells him, oh, that's congruent with the word, I move toward that. Oh, that's incongruent, I gotta run o- away from that. And uh, that's where I wanna be someday, is where I have so much of the word in my heart. And I think that's where the Bible was saying Joseph was headed, you know, he was a righteous man. He knew, he knew the law and he knew what was right. Well, we've just got to start start small with the devotions that are sent to us and the chance to read those and then memorize a scripture here and there. And just over time, you develop this internal compass of truth that allows you to see what's coming to you. But man, if you're in the early stages of that, rely on the trusted people around you, your community group leader or the, the spiritual mentors in your life to kind of help give you an outside perspective. And even when you know them, I watch Bob Moss go ask people, uh, other mm-hmm. people for advice sometimes too. We, we need the, Proverbs tells us multiple times to seek wise counsel.
2: Yeah. You're, uh, everything that you just said, Sean, requires humility. And sometimes when we are convinced that we're right, we're not being humble. Mm-hmm. And so I think understanding that we don't Know what is right all the time, and uh, Joseph Joseph did that. I mean, he had his plan. He was prepared to divorce Mary quietly, but but yet he had an encounter with an angel. Which I agree with you. If that were to happen, that is at the top of of a spiritual encounter you're going to get right there. (laughs) Yeah, and yet he he humbled himself. He changed his plan, and and so to me, it's, it's humility that allows me to do the things in private, rather than waiting to be in public, you know, in community group to know the answer, on Sunday morning to, to preach whatever, you know, verse. It, it's the inner life. That's what makes Bob Moss the man that he is, is he, he spends so much time abiding, remaining and sitting with God through scripture meditation and prayer and these spiritual disciplines that form us from the inside out. So it really has to do with um, what we do in secret, Jesus said that in in, in Matthew six in the, in the in the Sermon on the Mount to really do uh, practice giving when your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing vice versa you know uh, to 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 pray behind a closed door he's trying to work on our inner life so that we can then show up publicly.
0: I don't, yeah, like, I don't know if Jose experiences this, but sometimes my wife comes to me disguised as an angel of the Lord, trying to <laughs> present truth to me and. Uh, Even then,
2: you have to filter that as well. That's number two. That's number two. How had to a, had a filter what's right. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's I mean, I defeated. Need, I need a minute.
1: Yeah,
0: I need <laughs> no. a single man without, okay. without these fortunes.
1: Anyways, moving on. No, just kidding. Uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but I has, have had some conversations with friends just recently about they are very early to just learning more about the Bible, wanting to really kind of figure out what this looks like. So even just let's talk real, real, real practical. What would you recommend for someone? What do they read in the Bible? Uh, Does it matter what translation? they use? uh, Are there any sort of extra resources, websites, guides they can rely on? Just I'm thinking of someone that's really wanting to figure out, okay, well, I do want to know what's right, but I don't have a PhD
2: and I'm not a pastor of a church. So
1: where do they start and where do they go?
2: Yeah. uh, Sean's got both of those, by the way. So... um, I would start at uh, the Bible page. We have it on our website, Cyberscrewchurch.com. Check out the Bible page. There are plans right there. The Bible app is an incredible resource. We have the Bible on our phone. Look, I had a moment of weakness yesterday when <laughs> I couldn't find First Peter in my in my Bible. I was praying with somebody, ran up there. And I wish, I wish that um, I, I would have had that memorized. I would have been better prepared, you know, in that moment. That's what happens when when we show up publicly, and again, don't strengthen that inner inner life. Inner Inner disciplines. So the Bible app is a great place to start. Uh, the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, the NLT. Those are all great translations to start with. There's different, you know, philosophies to or approaches that each of them have in Bible uh, translation. But they're all amazing. Really, it's just spending the time. If you want to do that, you will. You will learn more. God's looking for people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, not that have all the qualifications. So if you want to read the Bible, we're blessed with so many resources. Ask somebody that's a step ahead or two in, in their walk, say, hey, what, what, do you, what do you read? There are, I mean, so many resources out there. Yeah, I think that's great, Jose. Also,
0: Taylor, I would tell somebody in that situation, I would say start with the topic that's you're most passionate about. So say anger is an issue for you. Mm-hmm. Well, then look up what does the Bible say about anger mm-hmm. and then pick one of those translations of them, NIV, ESV. Let's just narrow it down to those two. Use one of those two and say, what does it say about anger in these versions of the Bible? And start there, because once you start to realize that, man, this speaks, this literally speaks to the exact thing I'm going through. Maybe you're going through grief. What does the Bible say about grief? What does the Bible say about whatever it is that's happening in your life? And and once you start to understand when you're early in your faith, wow, this really does, it's not some old document that makes no sense and doesn't apply today. It's It's making sense it's relevant, for me today. Yeah. Once you start to see that in specific topics that matter, then all of a sudden it's like, well, why don't I just read the whole book of John and just see what it says and what comes out at me from that, you know, or take something like the book of James that's even a little shorter and pretty certainly practical. very applicable and practical. Read the book of James, but start with the topic that you're passionate about. Research that. Move on to a book that's pretty applicable like James, I think is a good one. Mm-hmm. So I'd start there.
1: That's really good. Those are really good answers. The second part here, first one was know what's right. Second is filter what's right. And this is this concept, this balance. We talked about a little earlier, of this balance of grace and truth when it comes to application, conversations with others. Uh, We've talked about this before. It's a really important concept. I know I'm still trying to figure this out just in my relationships. Uh, I think a question for y'all would be, how can you tell when you're leaning too far on one of these two continuums here? So uh, maybe you're leaning too much on the the grace side or too much on the true side. Are there indicators? Are there kind of signs that you kind of notice as y'all both try to get that sweet spot of doing both of those really well?
0: Yeah, people ask me, because I'm on this topic all the time, because I I think it's the most important one. And they said, why does this grace and truth matter so much to you? And I said, Well, honestly, love is what matters to me. Hmm. And, and I'm I believe that the whole book of the Bible is about love and that Jesus summarized is love. And love is so important to me that when I dig down on what is love, that's why this matters, because I think love is grace and truth. And the absence, uh, man, the absence of grace, if you only have truth and you're trying to love people that way, it's going to come across as judgment. Mm -hmm. And if people consistently feel judged by you or they're kind of—they quit turning to you for wisdom or they kind of like, oh, we know what Dad's going to say in this moment— you, know, you get one of those, then maybe you've been doing a lot of truth without the grace. And in the same way, man, if you're trying to love people with grace, but no truth, man, it ends up looking like tolerance and unconditional mm-hmm. acceptance in a way that's unhealthy for people. And that can be unhealthy. You know, if I if I just accept everything, my you know, my son's like, hey, I want to stay out till two in the morning. Oh, good. You know, the grace says I should let you stay out. You do what you want to do. You're all, You're 16 now. Man, that's harmful to him mm-hmm. because he needs to know the truth that, you know, my dad taught me nothing good happens after midnight, so you need to be in, you know, whatever the case is. But uh, man, the health is in the balance of those two. I don't know specifically. That's a good question that you ask. I'll, I'll keep trying to process it and maybe Jose knows. But to me, it's like when I'm on on extreme, the people around me will let me know by
2: whether they want to keep interacting with me or whether my words are mattering to them. That's good. I was thinking about that last uh, talk and encounter on Sunday morning about salt, and how to stay salty. And I think if I put too much salt on a certain food, it it does become, you know, you don't want to eat it. So that speaks to that. I think for me, if I'm too much on the truth side, my heart tends to grow apathetic towards that person or or towards that issue. And uh, hate is not the opposite of love. apathy is because it takes you out of the game. You no longer want to engage with that person. So if you're seeing, if you if you recognize apathy set, settling in, I think you're going down too far on the truth side. Yeah. And I love what you said about the gray side. If we're compromising, if we're looking too much like the world, then we've lost our, there's not enough salt. Mm-hmm. It, there's no flavor, there's no difference. There's no zing to us as people. And so it really is a, a um, you know, a good balance to continually look at our lives and say, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. Too much grace, too much truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people, if we have other people that love Jesus, they'll be able to tell us um, Mm -hmm. the difference there. Yeah,
1: that's really good. We'll just close out here with this third one, which is lastly, do what's right. So we've looked at knowing what's right, filtering what's right, balancing grace and truth, and then doing what's right. Uh, Sean, you had on here just redeem the opportunity. And I thought it was neat how you tied into the way that Joseph Joseph was given that opportunity as far as to redeem what was given to him. What is so significant about that? And just even in this Christmas season that we're in, why is this an important conversation to have during this time of year and not just any time of year?
0: Yeah, I love the thought of doing what's right in difficult circumstances, even when you don't really see the outcome's gonna go the way you want it to. Um, I had a guy a long time ago, I was at Texas a and as a student, and this um, Norman Swartzkoff, he was the head of the US forces in early 1990s desert storm, um, and he came and spoke. And so I actually forked over my money because I was really passionate about hearing from, from leaders. And uh, it was a long talk and he summarized it and he really could have done the talk in 60 seconds because he just kept going back to the same things. He said, two things if you wanna be a leader. One is to take charge. He said, most people don't take charge. They don't want that responsibility. They're not willing to step up. You gotta be willing to step up. And then the second thing he said was do the right thing. You just gotta do the right thing. And um, that was his his whole take on leadership, take charge and do the right thing. And that's stuck with me obviously all of these years because it's been a long time since I was in college. (laughs) Um, but, man, in every season, it's important. I don't know if it is more important in the Christmas season, honestly, than, than any other. I, I just know that we have a shortage of people out there who are willing to do the right thing, no matter what the cost. And uh, we need leaders like that desperately. They stand out when, when we see them, when we know them, when we see them. And uh, um, our world needs them. Our church needs them. Our families need them. We need people in obedience who are willing to step up and do the right thing. It's
2: so good. I love, Sean, how you closed by saying that that's what Jesus did. He, he did the right thing, and he came, and he sacrificed it all, and he was born in a difficult circumstance, uh, in a quiet place. We'll talk about that at Eve Eve. The significance of the manger. And that is God's story of Him loving us, of Him being with us. And our lives are all as, uh, are, are ought to be a response to Him. And um, so thanks for, man, this incredible reminder that is very timely.
0: Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com.
1: Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.